I'm going to take for my text this morning the question posed in verse number 14 of Genesis chapter 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? This question, a question posed by the Lord himself, is a most encouraging one, and yet it is also a most challenging one. What is your answer to it? What is my answer to it? For this will reveal our estimate of the power of God and also our extent, the extent of our own faith in God. In these days, many of God's people are discouraged, despondent, and filled with doubt. Of course, we know this ought not to be because discouragement always comes from Satan. Despondency paralyzes us for useful service. And doubt dishonors the Lord. And if encouragement is needed, then here it is in this text. There is nothing to harm the Lord. If it needs to be fortified, our own faith, then this meditation, this very meditation in the word of God will strengthen our faith this hour and for hours to come. The circumstances, it's always good to look at the circumstances. In which this question, is anything too hard for the Lord, was asked, are brought before us in Genesis 15, 19, 18, 17, 21. Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90. Humanly speaking, it was impossible for Sarah to bear a child. At first, Abraham laughed the father of the faithful. He laughed at this very thought. Of course, in this chapter, Sarah herself laughed. It was the laughter of unbelief. (laughs) God will not do that. That's an impossibility. Sure, we know it is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, is anything. God has asked me this question, and in turn I'm asking you. God demands an answer and deserves an answer. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I want you this morning with me to consider a number of propositions to show us how God loves to do hard things. He loves to do hard things. And he laughs. At the impossible. The first proposition is this there is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. It is computed that in the Bible there are about 30,000 promises. Now, of course, that's very hard to prove, it's very hard to disprove. And it's beyond the pale of this hour to go through and try and find those some 30,000 promises, but all of them are yea and in him, amen. That is to say, they are promises for the child of God. They are exceeding great and precious promise, and they are all absolutely true. God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent or change his mind, give a promise one moment and take away the next. 
Every promise that God has ever made has either been fulfilled or will be fulfilled. And there's a promised child of God to meet your very need. I don't know what your peculiar needs may be, but this I do know from my own experience and from what we see in the Word of God. There is a tailor-suited promise just for you, somewhere out of that 30,000 promises. God has a promise in the book for you today. And there is nothing that he cannot do. Notice some of these things that God promised and accomplished in the word of the Lord. He promised the walls of Jericho would fall down, that Rahab's dwelling on the wall and her family would be spared. I was just reading about those walls this past week. We're told there's a double wall to keep the enemy out. It was about six feet wide. And then there was an inner wall, and that was about 12 feet wide. So the overall length would be, or width would be, around 20 feet. And of course, we would know those walls must be thick because Rahab's house was built on top of it. So here's this 20-foot wall. Uh, It's essentially high as it is wide and wide as it is high. And those walls had to come down. How could it happen? Could they topple over? No. Imagine it. 20-foot wall toppling over. That doesn't help things at all. It's still impossible for the people of God to enter up into Jericho. But God did a great miracle. The earth opened up, swallowed those great walls, except that part of the wall upon which Rahab's family was dwelling. That was a double miracle. God laughed at it. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You remember he promised to feed Elijah by ravens at Cherith. It was a cost of living crisis. And uh, Elijah was to go into the land and their ravens would feed him. Elijah, though it was a crisis, he was eating out every day. He had special individuals who waited on him, the ravens. They brought the food right to him every day. And this certainly was the most difficult thing. You think of the widow at Zarephath that was to supply him his needs. She was out gathering two sticks, after which she and her son would have the last supper and they would die. And God sent Elijah to Zarephath, to this widow woman, to sustain him. God laughs at impossibilities. Think of it. A widow woman on the verge of death herself to provide for God's servant Elijah. He promised Mary that he would bring forth a son, though she was a virgin. That was beyond all that we could even ask or think. It never happened. But it had to happen. Because God promised it, and no promise of the word of God is too difficult for him to fulfill And the point I want to leave with you, child of God, is this. God has a promise for you. Every time you open this Bible, it should come to your heart as God's promise book to you. And whatever your difficult need might be, God has a promise he's waiting to fulfill in your experience. If only you'll take him at his word. 
Don't let it lie there. God wants you to take that promise, plead that promise in prayer, and keep on hanging on to God and his promise until God fulfills the promise. This exalts God. This pleases God. You remember Sarah in this chapter, she laughed at this thought of her having a child, a 90-year-old woman. We can understand why this would cause some laughter. A 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man going through this experience of having a child. And uh, God heard that. And he rebuked Sarah and he said, why did you laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. So first of all, she laughed and she lied about it. No, you did laugh. And you see, God takes very seriously our response to the promises of the word. God's listening to your response. The challenge is, what is it going to be? Holy laughter, yes. Oh, this is nothing to God. There's nothing he cannot do. This is impossible to me. But God has given me this promise. This promise is not too hard for him to fulfill. I want to please the Lord. I don't want him to hear unholy laughter. I want him to hear faith. Laughing along with God. In terms of what he will do. This is what God is looking for. He's looking for from your heart and from mine. In the most difficult of situations. God has a promise for you. And he's waiting. For your response. And then there's no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. One of the great prayer promises in the Bible is found in Jeremiah 33 and verse number 3. And the Lord says, Call unto me, I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That word, great and mighty, means unsearchable, hidden, fenced in or hard. We can't get in to the promise, but God can. The one who gave it. And uh, he loves to do these hard, these fenced-in things. Things that we cannot do. And the Lord loves to answer hard prayers. You remember he said in John's Gospel, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, the Savior says, He will give it you. Whatsoever. What's the scope of that? There is no scope. Whatsoever beyond the scopes that we may have. He loves to answer hard prayers. Perhaps we could turn for a moment just to John chapter, rather Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 2017 rather. And just read a few verses from this chapter. You remember this was the chapter of the Mount of Transfiguration. And when the Lord with his three disciples came down from the mount, there was a man who met him. And this man was at the end of his tether. He had a son, a lunatic, insane. He's mad. And oft times he'd fall into the fire, other times into the water. Of course, he was under Satan's domain. And, of course, the devil seeks to work in the mind, the area of the mind. And this demon-possessed individual was lunatic. He was insane. Can you imagine how difficult a situation must have been 
falling into the fire one moment, falling into the fire the next. And he took him to his disciples, the Lord's disciples, and they couldn't cure him. There wasn't anything they could do for this man. He took this man, took them this situation to the Lord in prayer, and asked for God to answer the deep need of his heart regarding his son. And then you remember the Lord rebuked the disciples and said, it's because of your own unbelief that you, you couldn't cure this man. And notice what he says in verse number 20, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, I say that for your encouragement, brethren, because we don't need a large, massive faith to move a mountain. Just a little faith. And God will work. You see how faith pleases God? God is quite happy to move mountains if even just a little faith is evidenced from the hearts and minds of his people. The promise doesn't have difficulty so far as God is concerned. It's our ability or inability to plead and believe the promise. There's the problem. There's the real hard thing. And he told his disciples the way it was. All you need is a faith is a grain of mustard seed. You don't need anything massive or huge. And I'll move this mountain. Now, that was a particular mountain. It was the Mount of Olives. And of course, when the Lord Jesus comes again, he's going to put his feet on the top of that mountain. It's going to split half the east, half to the west. And I wonder at that time, were there any of the disciples that pleaded the promise, Lord, you can remove this mountain? He was going to do it, this particular mountain. And so I want to encourage you, saints of God, maybe you think your prayer is a prayer that's going to require God to move a mountain. Well, it's nothing to God, if you can believe it. That's what pleases him. That's what God's waiting for. But the little thought that I want to leave with you is regarding the verse 21. The Lord Jesus said, How be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now when I read that, that tells me immediately that there are things that God will not answer unless there's prayer and fasting. And we think of the time of prayer and fasting today. And... Uh, if our faith is what it needs to be, then nothing, nothing shall be impossible to the child of God. There is no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. What a hard thing it was, humanly speaking, to give Abraham and Sarah a child. Biologically, it was impossible that their prayers should ever be answered, but they were. You think of how hard it would have been, humanly speaking, for fire to fall upon the altar. But it was not too hard for the Lord. And Elijah's prayer was abundantly answered. You think of how hard it was, humanly speaking, for Abraham's servant to find just the right bride for Isaac. Yet God answered prayer by leading Eliezer to Rebekah. I being in the way, the Lord led me. And as we go out day by day, we ought to believe that God will lead us. I being the way the Lord led me, look for little things God does in the walk of life, and you'll get a great blessing in your soul. That wasn't a mere whim, 
fancy. That was something that God ordered. I being in the way, the Lord led me. I remember when I was still living in New Brunswick, province of Canada, taking a plane trip from New Brunswick up to Toronto. And I went as a country bumpkin to this large city of millions. Uh, my missionary friend, my mother, were there in advance. I couldn't get time off work. And eventually I arrived in the airport in Toronto. And uh, there was just one difficulty. I didn't know where these individuals were. I thought, well, I'll take a bus down to York, Royal York Hotel uh, and look at the hotel while I'm there. So I did. And lo and behold, I walked into a large ballroom and walking, out of, or walking into the ballroom from another position was my missionary friend and my mother. A needle in a haystack. But we can say, we being in the way, the Lord led me. Look for the little tokens of God's leading and guiding and presence with you day by day. There is no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. Then there's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. Perhaps you have a problem. Life is full of problems. It's how we react to them. That's the thing. And possibly you have a problem you've been trying to solve. But maybe you've been trying to solve it by yourself. And you failed. Well, ask the Lord to solve it for you. He can and will. He'll perform a miracle for you, if need be, if it's as far as glory to do so. He's a miracle-working God. And there is nothing too hard for him. And I want you to remember, as you look upon me today, you're looking upon a miracle. If the devil is his way, I would never be in the pulpit after I had my stroke. Never. And uh, for long weeks I lay in hospital bed. I thought I'd never be in the pulpit. And there's one here today who thinks that maybe she'll never do the things she once did before. But there's nothing too hard for God. You look at me, you're looking at God's miracle. After my stroke in Austria, the doctor said, that it would be several months before I would be well enough to return home. But the doctor, my, my wife said, my family needs me. And I suppose she's thinking about costs accumulating too. And I, I would like to have him home for his 60th birthday. That was two weeks' time. The doctor thought that was impossible. But with God, I stress that with God, in union with Christ and in communion, with God, you and God coupled together, you and God can do anything. And I was home in two weeks in a specially fitted, fitted jet. Far from well, but I was home. What about those expenses? Well, my wife used, unbeknown to her, for any special reason, she used MasterCard Gold. This isn't an advertisement, by the way, for MasterCard Gold. But uh, we discovered when we returned home that all the medical bills would be paid, hotel bills, a, fit, a specially fitted jet. You know how much money that costs? God had already arranged, see that, for 
his power to be unleashed before it was even required. God had already had it looked after. And uh, then, well, would I ever preach again? I couldn't speak properly at this particular time. And my wife received from the Lord at that time a promise, a healing for me. And there were the prayers of our, our family, the prayers of God's people across the world. And the three going on four years afterwards, it wasn't sudden healing, it was continuous. After that length of time, I can laugh again. I went through a period, I thought I'll never laugh again. I can laugh again. I can live again. And yes, I can even preach again. God gave a promise from his precious word back there in the book of Isaiah. I'm going to take it farther than that today. But God gave us a promise. God brought me back from the brink. To stand in the pulpit today, what a story. But that's beyond the scope of today's message. But I want to ask you, do you have a situation? Do you have a story to tell, dark, foreboding? Well, I would encourage you to, from your Bible, don't fall out with God. There's the tendency when we're going through difficult times to shut the Bible. I don't have time to read the Bible. My situation is too difficult. That's a lethal mistake. The time you and I need our Bibles the most is when the props of life have been kicked out from underneath us. Get into the Bible. And get into the Bible looking for a promise from God. A promise that can never fail. And plead it before God in prayer. Get other Christians to pray with you. Claim it till you obtain it. And tell others, others what the Lord has been doing for you in answer to prayer. Let the Bible speak. Keep that Bible of yours open. Open to whatever God has for you. And in your situation, maybe you think there's nobody out that's been in this situation before. Well, I would highly doubt that. But even if it is, God has a promise for you. That problem you cannot solve yourself. God lasts it. It is nothing to the Lord. There's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. Again, the problem is we can't believe that God can perform miracles. I don't mean to sound like a raving charismatic, but all of God's people are miracles of grace. And God is the miracle doing God. Then there's no place too hard for the Lord to revive. We so quickly get discouraged in our work for God. God's people are frequently heard to say the work's very hard. It's gone down terribly. It will never be the same again. But why should we accept this defeatist attitude when our God is the God of the impossible? How many a separatist cause seems to be dying? Very little seems to be happening. Conversions aren't taking place. And we, we grow greatly disheartened. Well, I would say this today. You may think I'm losing it completely. When I say, well, you need to do something about that. You, yes, you and I can do something about that. To alter the situation. And what you and I can do today and in days to come is to pray. 
Bring God into the situation. And you in union with Christ can do things that seem absolutely impossible. I was reading recently from Isaiah 43, Behold, now I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth, shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's why I'm asking today, what can you do to alter this situation we so often get disheartened by? Well, you can come to the prayer time. You can pray. Maybe that's God's new thing for you today. The promise there on the last day of the great feast, you remember the Lord said, Out of your innermost belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers in the desert. Not only a river, singular, but rivers, plural. And uh, that can be such uh, evidence in spiritual ways. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So it is within our reach to deal with God with what to us is an impossible situation. So let us not be disheartened and say, what's the sense in praying? That's exactly where the devil wants you and wants me. There's every sense in praying. It makes perfect sense with God. And if you come today and you pray, maybe it's something you haven't done before. Isn't that God's new thing? A great thing? God, as it were, is causing rivers to flow through your innermost being, using you. As we come to the place of prayer. So there is no place, no church, no heart, too hard for the Lord to revive. And then finally, fifthly, I didn't say there are five propositions. You might begin to think you're going to be here for a long time. So I'll give it to you now, five. There is no promise too hard for the Lord, a person rather, to save. We think about this upcoming gospel mission. There is no person too hard for the Lord to save. I think of that wonderful promise in Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost all those that come to God through Christ. He is able to save to the uttermost or forevermore. Not a passing work, but a lasting work of grace in that heart that he has me. Yet we often hear God's people saying, well, maybe they wouldn't say it. Sarah didn't say what she was thinking, but God heard it. And we would say, well, God, can he really save that individual? You think of that woman in Luke 7 who was a sinner, and she was wonderfully saved by the Lord Jesus. A condemned criminal, we're going to read of him shortly was gloriously converted in his dying hour. A persecutor, self-righteous, was crumbled to the dust in the sight of the risen Lord. A jailer and his family were suddenly converted. Why not yours? That's how we should read the Bible. Well, that family was saved. God did a great work. Why can't he do it in mine? Is there any reason why God can't do it in my family? Can you give me a reason? Is anything too hard 
for the Lord. Dear child of God, I want this morning to hear your answer. I'm not suggesting you say it publicly. But God comes to you and he comes to me. And God is a heart God. He's after your heart, he's after mine. And when you read that promise this morning, God came to you and he was listening for your response. Do you believe that I can do that? That's what God is listening for and looking for. And I would encourage you today to get out of your comfort zone. God always wants to take us out of our comfort zone. Get out of your box, as it were, with a step of faith. Or maybe more biblically, get out of the boat. We always want the comfort of the boat. We don't want to get into that water there. We want to stay right in this boat. It's quite comfortable. I can enjoy this. But that's not where God wants us to be. Step out into the deep. That's where God is taking us. And if you're linked with God, and in the will of God, with God all things, God will take you out of the boat. It's not something you're going to love to do. I can tell you over the last four years I've been out of the boat. And God has been doing things in me, through me, and for me I, I never ex expected. That has not been an easy way. But it's been a blessed way. And God has been honored as a result of what he has done in answer to prayer. With God. And if you're with God, you're with God in his word, you're with God in his will, you're with God looking for the very best God has for you, God will come. And God will do great things. I want you to believe that. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. It does sound good, but far better it is reality. What is your situation? Bring God into it. Get a promise. Don't let go. And regardless of how difficult, disheartening, depressing your situation might be, God will bring you through. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. No. A hundred times no. Well, let us trust Him. Let us believe Him. And look for what God...